Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Will You Get, former mm. forward, mm-hmm. former forward for the Florida Gators. As a matter of fact, you and I, Taylor, have seen Will You Get in person play. I don't think a lot of the population can say that, but we can. We saw Will You Get on my graduation day. I've long stated that's the greatest day of my life because I graduated in McHale Center. And then Arizona ended up coming back on a Mark Lyons layup. I mean, it was way more than that. But don't forget about the huge Arizona football Sun Bowl comeback that day, which actually, given the fact, other than the fact that it was just a completely, like, useless game, is one of the best football comebacks I've seen happen in, like, a minute. What, did we come back from 17 down in, like, a minute and a half or some? ridiculous number and then later you graduate of course of course of course of course and then uh and then we play florida top five team in the country and come back from nine down again if i remember correctly with about a minute to play as well one of the greatest days of my life as well i it was so great that i decided to stay at u of a for about 18 months more after that so well it's a magical place it just keeps you in there it was it was terrible leaving that's why i had to double up on every single drink that I had at General Ben's after yeah. that Arizona-Florida yeah. game. Then what happened? I'm not sure. Maybe you could enlighten me, but I don't remember a lot about what happened post-game after that. Well, it was a very celebratory time for us, certainly not for Will You Get, uh, but he subscribed, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and Taylor at Taylor Dammel. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon, distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. I am still out of breath from last night. I got to tell you, just so much theater everywhere, lining the walls. Just my my finger was so <laughs> tired from clicking back and forth. And I know we say that's why you get the reps in in the summer. But mm-hmm, that first mm-hmm. serious run that you have, 
I mean, that first workout after the new year, that was tough, man. And I want to say that I want to blame me being out of shape, but I Mm -hmm. also think that there's just, there's, they need to stagger these games and schedule it a little bit more spread out over the week. Even our boy Rothstein has said, why the Uh, hell on Monday are we getting like zero top 25 matchups? And then Tuesday we have like 12. Oh, we've been saying this all year. I I know I brought it up at least a couple of times and I know we've talked about it a number of times. We will go like four day stretches without uh, any like discernible matchup that matters at all. And then all of a sudden on one random weekday night, we have like 47 games that matter. And that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but really if you look back at the schedule on Tuesday night, there were legitimately like 17 to 20 games of concern, not even ranked matchups, but like mid major conference battles that were important unranked games that were important. You know, like we, we talk about Providence a lot, for example, on this podcast, they came back from the dead on Tuesday. And that was maybe like the 10th most important game to the national viewing audience. If, if it may be even less important than that. So it's really interesting to see. And I wonder why, I don't, maybe there's no rhyme or reason to this, but it is really interesting that we have some podcasts will go and we'll be like, Hey, yeah. So all we did last game, uh, last podcast was predict the two good games we have until the next podcast. Then a podcast like today, we have to review 15 when we won't get to them all, but like 15 legitimate matchups that were all of consequence. Yeah, I can promise you we're not going to get to all 15. But when you look at the Titch Twitter thread, or feed, I should say, from yesterday, I I don't want people to think that me tweeting out theater in blank was overkill. There was legitimately and truly that much theater last night, or on Tuesday, excuse me. Yeah, they all came, if not down to the wire, at least were worth monitoring until, like, the last minute. You know, like a a game, for example, that – that we're, we'll never talk about again, and we'll probably never talk about these teams again, at least not until tournament time. Even like, you know, Ohio Eastern Michigan on ESPNU came down to the last second. You know, a, a game like a, a Central Michigan, Northern Illinois, the battle for action there, another ESPNU game. Literally every channel that you were on, if you have the, all the advanced sports packages, as we do, because we're students of the game, we have all of these channels and they all came down. Houston was in a, a was locked up in a, in a dog fight with temple uh, Eastern Carolina dog fight with S- South Florida. Like every game, even if you weren't a fan of these teams or if you were looking outside of the uh, big matchups, th- there was a lot to view uh, even up until the, the, the really late hour uh, even the, like the like air force upset Utah state last night. And that, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was up for that. You were probably asleep, and I'm not saying that was, you weren't yeah. watching. But, and it, that because it was literally finishing up at like 1 a.m. or midnight your time. Yeah. And so, and that's a big win. Like that. That like that's a legitimate. That's going to be a legitimate tournament um, affected game right there. Is Utah State's a tournament team, but now they fall to two and three in the Mountain West. They're picked to win the Mountain West. And although we don't talk about the Mountain West a lot, you know, you got the favorites out there losing at 1 a.m. And so we went from from the earliest until the latest possible time with just complete the the curtains never shut yesterday. Like no. there was no there was no intermission yesterday. That's true. It was like Our watching night, the night. Irishman. It was like watching the Irishman with like no breaks in between. I mean, it, it actually 
Yeah, I'll say Irishman. I was going to say Cats, but that was terrible. Last night wasn't terrible. Or Tuesday wasn't terrible. I keep fucking saying that, but Tuesday wasn't terrible. You actually watched Cats? No, haven't watched Cats. But I've (laughs) heard from multiple people that Cats is terrible. I was going to say, when did you fit that in? A and B, Y. But, no, yeah, no, okay. no, no, not okay. not fitting that in. And okay. I think the game of the night, potentially game of the season, and we'll get to them in a little bit, PC versus Marquette. Uh, PC has found themselves very resurgent. They're 3-0 and in Big East play. But like I said, we'll talk about them. But you know what potentially was the, the most fun game last night? And I don't know if it necessarily has a ton of <laughs> tournament impact, but it was TCU at Kansas State because we actually got a as as close as we could get to a buzzer beater. TCU had a tip-in to win the game with about one second left there in Manhattan, Kansas, on the road. And so I kept tweeting out, and we'll continue tweeting out, Peter in so-and-so, but I've been it's been seldom used, the Farmer Fran gif from the Waterboy where he's twisting his nipples. We finally got that uh, on Tuesday with uh, TCU over Kansas State. Now, let me be clear also, Taylor. I'm, I want, I'm ready. I want the theater goers and everyone to know what the exact criteria is for theater in blank. Essentially okay. all it is, is if it's a one possession game, so three points or less, I'm not going to count four points. Someone's going to come at me and be like, Oh, what about a three point play plus the foul? Nope. Three points or less under two minutes. That's when you fire it off theater in Boise theater in Omaha. Actually, there was a shitload of theater in the state of Nebraska also on Tuesday with with Villanova barely beating Creighton and then Iowa losing to Nebraska, and we'll get to them as well. But uh, the Shark is not here, as some of you may have already gathered at this point. He is delayed in an airport. I, I suggested that he tweet at them. That's how I sort of vent, and actually I feel like that's kind of how you get things solved these days. But uh, the Shark is is not with us today, and it's a shame because this was his day to be with us. This it is was. His, this is perfect gloating bragging rights for the shark. And I thank the good Lord that he's actually not with us because he'd be obnoxious. Uh, The reason I say that is because BC, his undergraduate alma mater defeated university of Virginia by a score of 60 to 53. And then Tennessee, his law school beat uh, a known, known hated coach Conzo Martin and Mizzou on Tuesday. And then Maryland who he loves. And he says he's on while you and I are not on. They beat the team that we are on, which is Ohio State at home. Uh, so all those three things really stacked up perfectly for the Shark. And like I said, thank God he's not here. Yeah, I mean, should we just start with that Maryland-Ohio uh, State game? I yeah, guess? we can absolutely do that. What are right. your thoughts? So uh, I don't really, you know, I, I'm not on Maryland, uh, like you just said. And I am on Ohio State. I will say that... I don't, and I'm sure a shark would disagree with this, but who fucking cares? Because he didn't show up till today's episode, so we can we can uh, go on without him here. I, I would say I don't think it necessarily says a ton about either team, and why I say that is because it wasn't like Maryland's defense was so particularly good that it held Ohio State from getting good looks at the basket. Ohio State, off the top of your head, Sue, how many? layups did or at least plays at the rim did ohio state miss in that game buckets well, at the rim. 
So I'm going to leave you to tell me that, but I was actually more concerned with their three point shooting at one sure. point. And they, the announcers never mentioned it at one point. I had to look it up and they were like four of 19, but were they equally as bad at the rim? Oh God. I mean, they were, I don't have the stat in front of me, but just from watching the game, I mean, there were possessions where they, I mean, they missed at least if I can remember correctly, at least three layup layups or play buckets at the rim in transition in a row during scrambles in the second half there. They missed every open three. They missed every tip in every, and I'm not saying it's luck. I'm not saying it's skill, whatever I'm saying. I don't particularly think that it was Maryland just being such a shutdown defensive juggernaut that it prevented Ohio state from scoring. I think it was straight up just Ohio state missing layups and missing open threes. Now look into that or, you know, feel about that as you may to me, that's indicative of just having a bad night, not being bad at basketball. Now, obviously, the goal is to put the ball in the basket. Sure. But I don't look at Ohio State and think like, oh, man, this team sucks now, even though I jokingly said that in our uh, theater and college hoops group chat last night. They literally just I mean, they they were finishing at the rim like a middle school team essentially last night. It, not a lot of them were contested. And, and those threes you talked about, I mean, maybe half of them were contested. Uh, there was a number of them that were just straight up wide open. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily think it says a ton about either team. I think if it would have been at Ohio state, that would have been a bigger, uh, a, a, a bigger telling uh, sign to how these teams are, but I'll stick with Ohio state. I know they're through a tough, they're going through a tough stretch right now. Um, but I'm going to stick, I'll stick with them through this point. I, cause I don't think, that performance from Maryland didn't say didn't show me that they're like, oh man, they're sick. I, I still think of them as the same, pretty much the same. Now you you beat a team on your home court that literally couldn't buy a, a layup, and I, I and I don't think I I'm, I'll give props to Maryland for winning because that is kind of like the whole purpose of this whole thing, you know. But uh, I, I'm not going to be like, oh man, they beat you know they beat Ohio State. Oh shit, we should really move them up or we should really think about them more highly. I think they just. The goal of the game, and Shark would be laughing that now, right now. The goal of the game is make more baskets, right? I think Ohio State missed more baskets than Maryland made baskets. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know? I see. I see where you're coming from. For me personally, I actually think a little bit higher of Maryland, and I'm still the same okay. on Ohio State. I do That's think a little fair. higher of Maryland because I thought that they put the clamps on Ohio State, and at some point you have to credit the defense. And so I think that's slightly where we disagree in terms of jumping off the Ohio state bandwagon. I'm not going to do that because Kyle young was not playing. And I told the shark, this was a preemptive strike. I said, look, if Maryland wins, I'm just going to use, this is why predictions are dumb. I'm just going to, you know, slink my way out of it by saying Kyle young wasn't playing. Now you might think of that as a maneuver or an excuse, but it's legitimate. Kyle young is a starter and he could have given them a little bit more of an offensive burst. Then you also take into account what I noticed, which was their horrendous three-point shooting. Again, give credit to Maryland for for impacting that. Uh, but also Luther Muhammad, dude, he was terrible on Tuesday. Luther Muhammad is supposed to be kind of that X factor. Everyone knows about the Weston brothers. And then you have the 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 guy who does pretty much everything in Kyle, Kyle Young. Uh, but Luther Muhammad, he's got to be their X factor where if they're doubling down on Wesson, uh, he's able to kick it out and Muhammad's about to give him some production. He just didn't do that at all on Tuesday. And so in addition to that, Caleb Wesson actually got stuffed 
uh, down low. Mm-hmm. He was dominated, honestly, and and it's kind of concerned. That's one part that I'm kind of concerned about with Ohio State. It's Caleb Wesson, and I know he's worked on his conditioning, and I know there's a lot of comparisons between him and Sullinger. I'm here to tell you. I mean, let me in my best Joe Budden voice. Hear me and hear me good. He is not Jared Sullinger. Jared Sullinger was a beast and was reliable and consistent. Caleb Wesson, the 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 couple times that I've seen him this year and a little bit of last year, who when he was battling foul trouble, he's he's got to be better on a consistent basis against good teams in hostile environments. I guess that's where my slight concern lays with Ohio State. With that being said, uh, I'm a little bit higher on Maryland, but in the long run. Ohio State is still going to be a better team. I still think Ohio State's better coached for sure with Chris Holtman versus uh, Mark Turgeon. But this was a good win for Maryland, and it could have easily been a, a trap game for them. Maybe not a trap game, but a game that they have lost in the past. Meanwhile, Ohio State, as you've mentioned, we're really doubling down on them because they haven't won in the year 2020. Actually, Ohio State hasn't won a a football or basketball game in about two weeks. And many (laughs) people are asking, is that Justin Fields interception a a sign of things to come? I certainly hope not. Well, if you look, if you look at the stats alone and let's take the shooting numbers out of this, which, you know, obviously shootings like a fairly important part of the game, right? Um, Ohio State and Maryland had essentially the same amount of rebounds, same amount of assists. Uh, Ohio State had more steals, same amount of blocks. Ohio State had less turnovers, a couple more fouls. But if you look at it that, you know, this game should have been closer than it was. And really what you point to is is your point is exactly correct. Uh, the Wesson brothers and uh, DJ Carton combined for, what is this, 43 points of the 55? Uh, you had Dwayne Washington Jr. go two of eleven from the field and scored seven points in thirty minutes, which wasn't even as bad as C.J. Walker or, as you notice, uh, Luther Muhammad, who both played twenty-four and twenty-five minutes and went a combined one of twelve from the field for three points. You know, you, there's got it's it's the same thing that gives you that gives you pause. This is the same thing that could potentially give someone hope, right? Because you're going to say, okay, so these guys aren't always going to make one singular American bucket, as you would call it, between the two of them, right? If they literally knock down three more shots between the whole rest of the team, it's a game. It, you know, it's a game. You know, obviously there were free throws at the end that, would, that pushed it to 12. So let's call it more of like an eight-point game, right? Three more buckets is eight points. Six points, nine points, however you want to phrase it, you know. And so, I think that still what gives me hope. Uh, obviously, being one and three in conference play is not good for Ohio State. I believe the odds for Michigan State skyrocketed something to like eighty percent likelihood to win the conference. Now that Ohio State went one uh, is now one and three in the conference. Uh, again, my my per, my Purdue Boilermakers are not look, not looking good yeah. uh, for that. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to take credit away from Maryland, in the, even though it probably sounds like I am. You know, obviously, you you have to go out there and win the win the games. Anthony Cowan had an awesome game, twenty points, super efficient. Not twenty points on nine shots, ten to twelve for the free throw line, six boards, couple assists in there. Uh, you know, he kind of led that team. There's a couple other players, uh, Smith and Morsel, put a couple buckets in. But as we've noted, 
And as we've said all year, even since July or whatever, we did the Big Ten preview. This team, and Shark said it best on the last uh, episode, this team's going to go as far as Anthony Cowan Jr. is going to take them. And that's... And that's and that's good and bad because I, I look at I look at Ohio State and I think they have more options, right? But I think the argument is certainly valid if you think Anthony Cowan Jr. is the best player on both of those teams. And a lot of those times, it's, it's like the Seton Hall argument. Miles Powell, to an even higher degree, is going to take them as far as they're going to go. So, same thing with Maryland. They they're a little deeper than. Seton Hall, don't get me wrong, but they're only going to go as far as Anthony Count Jr. is going to take them. And I feel like Maryland actually very recently with Mello Trimble, that was the exact same case. Mello Trimble was going to take him as far as he was going to put him on, on his back. Maybe you could make the case for like Diamond Stone what, or, or like Rashid but I'm Let me interrupt you. Would you say that Mello Trimble is better or worse than Anthony Count Jr.? So it's funny. I was actually going to bring that up. I actually think Anthony Cowan's better. I think he's more. I, I agree. No, definitely agree. Yeah, I, I think Anthony Cowan's better. He hasn't necessarily had a chance to prove it in in a in a tournament just yet. I know they've they've sure. made the tournament, but uh, I don't know. I feel like Melo Trimble got a lot more publicity than Anthony Cowan uh, has gotten thus far, and that might actually be because Cowan is going up against the likes of like a Cassius Winston within his own conference. Well, and Me- Mello Trimble had the name Mello and he had the hair really, you know. Yeah, that's true. And he was light-skinned, I mean, be, pretty light-skinned. Co- we'll just yeah. say that, yeah. To be completely honest with you, yeah. So, I mean. It's kind of like being it's kind of like being white and being up for a head, head NFL head coaching job, right? <laughs> like if you if you're a pretty light-skinned point guard with the name Mello, then you're you're going to get publicity and attention. But yeah, I, I I was I was slightly impressed with Maryland. I thought what they did was good. Did we just did we just Rooney rule Anthony Cowan Jr. right there? Yeah. Right, yeah, we did. Reverse, reverse, reverse Rooney roll. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, what do what do we want to call that? I don't know. Who's like the king? Certainly skin? not. Certainly not the Slumdog Millionaire rule because we already have that in a different sense. No, but uh, then who's who's the king? Light skin. Well, it's like the Aubrey Graham right? rule. Yeah, <laughs> the Graham rule. Let's call it that. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Alexander Graham Light Skin Bell. I don't know. You know. Yeah. No, I like that. The Drake rule. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so Maryland with a win over Ohio State. Ohio State in desperate need uh, of a win here the next week. And then to continue Shark Streak, we discussed a, a little bit about it. BC beat UVA, and BC put up sixty points on Virginia. That is unheard of against the Virginia defense. Before the before the new year, we were talking about Virginia's defense allowing like forty five to fifty points. And we were saying it doesn't matter if they can score, Virginia that is, if they're defending at that rate, if they're letting up that little amount of points, they're, they're going to be a contender for the ACC title. Uh, I, I, I don't think that they are anymore uh, because of how great Duke is. And I still think I'm still a believer in Louisville. And there's certainly, uh, you know, maybe some other t- Florida State in, in the ACC. But BC with a shocking victory over Virginia. And this kind of, for me, again, it goes back to my thought process of, man, Virginia, I'm not going to say they were lucky to win last year. That's not the right word. They were great. They were the best team in the country. But they got to be. fans have to be saying, thank God we eked it out over Purdue. Thank God Kyle Guy hit those free throws against Auburn. Thank God we won that title because, I mean, 
losses like this and then the UMBC loss and you don't get a get a title out of these past three, five, six years, whatever their insane run is, that'd be depressing as fuck. Uh, but that BC loss, kind of shocking. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I, I'm, I, I am this guy from time to time, so I'll continue to be this guy. You know, nobody cares about your fantasy football team, and nobody cares about what games you bet on last night to, to a similar degree. UVA was like, the, I had like a handful of parlays going last night. UVA was the team that I took in every one, every one, just to, you know, you need one, you need at least one or two games that you can anchor all these things on. Right. And I'm like, uh, I just took them straight up to win, which was like, (laughs) which was like, it was, I think the line was seven and a half or eight. And I think I, and I, I just took them straight up to win like minus three thirty, So not a lot, but it was a part of a parlay. So I was like, okay, that's a good one. Another one to toss in there. Safe win. Right. And this Virginia team's a little hard to figure out, and maybe it's the nature of how they play, and maybe it's a little bit having to do with the talent that they have or don't have compared to the last couple of years. But what I've noticed is that you can tell how well Virginia is going to play defensively within like the first 8 to 12 minutes of the game. Uh, all of their losses, you've looked at them and got, and you know they gave up 30 points in the first half which doesn't sound like a lot, but to Virginia it is. And so you look at that and you're like, and once they, they, they gave up something like 14 points in the first seven minutes or eight minutes, something like that. And when they, when another team takes a lead like that, it's the, it's the blessing and the curse of the, of the way that they play. Right. The other team takes a lead, but a lot of times you don't have enough possessions to come back if the other team takes the lead. So it's a, it's a great system if you're looking to play a lot of close games and always have a shot to win. It's not a great system if you fall behind. It's a lot like, let's call it the old school Bears, you know, right? You can't run it 67 times a game and come back from two scores down. That's well, tough to do. It is, but and that was their issue against UMBC was the second they got down, they're, they didn't have enough time to come back. And by by the time they picked their head up after halftime, it was a blowout. And well, that's that, always been Virginia's identity. And that team had a lot more talent than this one does. Oh, for sure. For right. sure. They've and, lost a ton of talent in Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy. You're right. Yeah. And and Diakite being back is is helpful. But and he's going he's going to be the one anchoring their defense. But I mean he's not going to provide much on offense. No, he took like a step back three to try and tie the game last night. And it's like, okay, so they're clearly aren't as uh, specifically defined uh, roles on this team as there have been previously. Like Diakite is, is looked at, I'm sure as the anchor of this team and Diakite is a, in my opinion, a good piece to a puzzle, but he can't be the, the rock that leads you to like a, a final four, a conference championship. I don't think we saw this team as a final four team. I know we were high on them early when they were literally giving up like 16 points a game, but someone like Dikite can't be the guy to lead you to the promised land. And that's nothing against Dikite. It's more of just, if nothing else, the role he plays on the team and the position he plays on the team and the, and the, the offense that, you know, it, the team plays, all these things coming together are what makes him not the guy that's going to lead you to the promised land. Now, if you have a Ty Jerome, 
or yeah, Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy, yeah, yeah. Then he's perfect. Then he's like the perfect thir- third or fourth option down low to anchor the defense. But but he can't uh, be the guy to anchor the offense uh, similarly. Yeah, and I think actually a lot of their returning players that we remember, Kihei Clark, we had mentioned mm-hmm. E. Kite, Braxton Key, who, who came off the bench last year and actually played pretty well in that national title game in Final Four. These guys were perfect uh, supporting casts. Right. right, that'll get you a shot when Kyle Guy or Ty Jerome is absolutely blanketed on the perimeter, or when Ty Jerome will drive down the lane and dump it off. And then I think also they have they have Jack Huff or they have a Huff, right? Mm-hmm. Jack Huff, I think. Mm-hmm. There's another like seven footer. Uh, but you know, so Jay. UVA Jay Huff, thank you. UVA has has the guys. A lot of this kind of the skeleton and the the bones from last year. They don't necessarily have the meat. Yeah. Uh, so. Nah. Yeah. Good way to put it. Okay, I appreciate well done. that. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. So BC actually, hug for them. They're I think they're three and zero in conference play and uh, tied for second or, or or something like that in the they're, ACC. They're three and one. Yep. They're three and one. Excuse me. Okay. And Virginia is three and one as well. Even though we just said right. all of this, right? But I mean, the the fact that BC is three and one is kind of ridiculous uh, in, in the sense that a lot of people were were calling for Jim Christian's head, and I think this is pretty much his prove it year. At Chestnut Hill, if he doesn't, I think if he doesn't get him to the tournament, then he's gone. Which is think, kind of a. That's do you a think they order. have to make this? Maybe I think I uh, maybe nit. What? I mean, they they've been nit eligible the past few years, haven't they? But I mean, like nit, like good, top, yeah, not like sneak in. You, you know, think I mean, my expectations oh, are a little too high for Jimmy. There, I don't know. We. Uh, you know, I think we always have to kind of understand the team that we root for and what that le- what that level is at, and then also uh, reverse back to try and figure out what a good level is for other teams. I know, I know that I struggle with that sometimes. I know that you and I, especially you, you probably struggle with that when it comes to the NFL at times for the teams that we, we root for. You know, like not every team is going to win six Super Bowls in a 15-year span, and you don't suck if you don't win six, you, you, you know, and so even Arizona, as an example, we or Arizona was the fifth or sixth winningest program of the last decade. And we still think that we suck. Yeah, we do. Suck. Y- you know, right. And so sometimes I, I'm just saying like self inflect or, you know, however you want to put that inflectedly inflection, however you want to phrase that. Uh, we, we sometimes I don't have proper expectations of what other teams should be doing. I never have any expectations for Boston College. So if Boston College knocks off a defending champion and then goes to the NIT that year, I think that's probably, a, a no matter what the previous success was before that, I would say, well, that probably merits another year to say, okay, well, that it wasn't a negative year. I don't think that's a negative year for Boston College. I think that's probably, if nothing else, it's a status quo. And you, I would risk... You would risk going backwards, I think, rather than going forward, because I don't think there's any harm in, in one more year if you make the NIT. And yeah. then if you, you know, I, I mean, it. I mean, I, it, I see where you're coming from there. And actually, this would be the worst spot to be as an AD, right? I'd rather have a program like Wake Forest, who was traditionally very good, and in that North Car- the state of North Carolina, between NC State, Duke, UNC has great all-time players. Think about Chris Paul, you know, think about Tim Duncan and even maybe not so all-time NBA players, but you got Farouk, 
James Johnson, guys like that. I'd rather be in their position because Danny Manning fucking stinks. Yeah, like, he's like gone. Yeah, I just right. don't think that they have any hope of maybe turning it around and getting a good NIT seed. He should be gone. Uh, in terms of BC, though, they're not on necessarily, I don't think, on the level of Wake Forest in terms of historical basketball. They have had some great years in the Big East with Al Skinner and Craig Smith and Jared Dudley, all of those teams. But I, I see what you're saying, but it's tough as an AD. If I were the BC AD, I'd be like, well, let's think about it here. If he does become a good NIT team and I give him one more year, then what is next year really going to look like? Right? Or do I, would I rather just maybe reset or take a chance on someone else coming to an ACC school? The name Boston College basketball may not be a huge draw, but the fact that you get to coach in the ACC could very well be a huge draw. Well, so that's where I'm kind of torn. It's Boston, which is a major city, comes with its own you know, successful connotations. You don't think of, in today's sports landscape, you don't think of anything from Boston being unsuccessful, no matter what. Even though the Northeast isn't a, isn't a super collegiately based like sports fanhood. It's not really at all. No, and so you you don't think so. I, I there's really no there's not a lot of risk. I guess either way you go, right? If Boston College makes a Sweet Sixteen one year, or even like a Final Four or Elite Eight, you're talking about like the greatest like team in the history of the school. And but there's not a lot of pressure either because pro sports are so or it's you know boston is such a pro sports centric market outside of maybe yukon then there's not you know there's not a lot of of pressure to succeed so i'm looking at their wikipedia right now uh boston college has made a grand total of 22 tournaments ever ever so holding someone to so high of a standard that, that that the school has never really reached before is a little tough. Uh, but yeah, it's tough getting stuck in the middle as well. And so you don't ever want to get stuck in the middle. It's almost exactly what you're saying is right. It's almost worse to just be awful or it's almost better to just be awful. Cause then you can be like, Hey, you know what? New coach, let's go. A guy who just is right there on the precipice every single time. I haven't used the word precipice in a while. So I'm glad I was able to break that out. But someone who's right there the whole time, it's almost tough because it's like this guy is performing like better than the mean of our school's history, but not enough to merit him continuing on. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I would probably stick it out for another year just because, yeah. but I don't think that there's a wrong answer to this. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens with Jim Christian and BC. For now, Eagles fans but enjoy hey, their drive. On the right track, though. On the right track yeah. right now. Even though they're only nine and six this year, they did just knock off Virginia. Maybe that'll be a a, a stepping point, or a, a however you want to phrase it, to uh, some success in ACC yeah. play. No, um, that's a great one for them. You know, so what's so what's uh, not to belabor like the the BC point here, but so what's a good year for them in the ACC? If they go five hundred, that's pretty good in the ACC, isn't it? In the, yeah, in the AC, I guess, but you're just like in the middle, I guess. Yeah, I, I know maybe. that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. Is it, see, is I, I think we're deva- I think you might be devaluing BC as a basketball school. I mean, it's first and foremost a football school, but you know, like I said, when Al Skinner was there, the second he left, they've just been garbage. Right. So uh, 
I, I think that they they might de- deserve a little bit more. You know who's probably the most upset once he's once he listens to this is the shark. I don't think we've ever spent this much time talking about BC basketball. Nor, nor, nor will we ever again. Well, here's what I'll say, though. Here's what I'll say. So in 17, they went 2-16 and 16 in the ACC. So they, uh, excuse me, they played an uh, 18-game schedule, which obviously I should have known. Last year, they went 7-11 in ACC play. So if they go better than 7-11 and 11 this year, which they're theoretically on track to do, then I would say as long as the steps to success are continuing upward, then I would keep, I would keep. I'm fine with that with a like first three years or maybe the years. Well, this, two, is only his, this is his fourth year. This is only Jim Christian's fourth year or fifth year, maybe fifth year. This yeah, is his fifth, fifth year. Yeah. So I, I think now, Doug, Doug, now three, years, like, ago, three years ago, they went, Oh, what 18 in ACC play. Right. Okay, and then so. the next year they won what? Two games. In two, ACC then play? seven. And, and now there's three. literally only, there's only one way to go up. Right. So, but at some point you have to make not just a minuscule leap. You can't just go zero to two, two to three, and then three to seven, five. But, and then it depends on what they do this year, I suppose. But I don't know. At some point, if something's got to give, and I know, I know the shark, He's been on record as stating that he doesn't want Christian there, or he didn't at least coming into the year. So that's why it's such a, a interesting case to to look at. But okay, BC, let's talk. Let's talk about important basketball. Okay, <laughs> yeah, BC uh, three and one starting the ACC. Good for them. Another team that's off to a hot start in conference play. Providence after being left for dead, and I'm actually going to still leave them for dead. I got a I got the entire state of fucking Rhode Island up my ass, Taylor. Let me tell you why, because. I mean, I know why. How about you tell the listeners why? <laughs> well, so this is – I'm going to show because Providence, I, st- I still think that their season's dead. They're sitting at 10-6, and 3-0 in the conference. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm not even being facetious. That's great. I didn't think that they would start this hot in conference play. But I've seen way too much in the first, what, 13 games of the season versus the last three uh, to declare them back and ready to go. So – if I'm wrong, I'll happily own that. But I still think Providence's season. I said I tweeted this. Their season, to an extent, is dead. When I say to an extent, it's not, I think they'll they'll be an NIT team. Uh, I just don't know if they'll be a tournament team. Uh, in addition to that, Rhode Island, uh, our, our friend of the program, Justin Hasgard, he was up my ass about not giving enough love to the A10. Well, Andy Katz actually just uh, sent out a list of the the best conferences via his Power Index. A10 ranked dead last. So, but I, I got Providence people now on my ass because I think Providence is still dead despite the hot start. And then, of course, Rhode Island people. But credit where credit uh, well, is due. Providence, great, great start and 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 a great win. Rhode Island does have back to back losses to to Richmond and Brown. So. Well, I don't even want to pick on Rhode Island. I'm just saying he was coming at me about the A10. He was trying to tell me about Davidson, who's like six and eight. Right, actually, I think Davidson. They are and, playing at Rhode Island, Island right now, yeah. right as we speak. Yeah, right, and and so I think VCU's kind of dropped off a little bit, right? So I, I, Richmond, I, I don't know, just I don't have time for the A10. No, but, no, absolutely not. But uh, Providence College has certainly gotten off to a great start, and they beat Marquette on Tuesday night, despite Mark having you know having to weather a Marcus Howard game. We all know exactly what that means: thirty-five plus points, jacking up every shot. And it's essentially for Marquette, you live by Howard, you die by Howard. Uh, a lot of people who were watching the game were like, I mean, Marcus Howard, it must be brutal to play with him. Maybe, 
but he's also the reason why you're in that position in the first place. Right. But Providence College weathers that storm. And what I found uh, and what I will give Providence fantastic credit for is they didn't allow Howard to get a shot off towards the last few possessions. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that I, I noticed think, as well. I think they were up three or maybe they were up two and they like triple teamed Marcus Howard. They it was it was very much Ed Cooley saying, look, if we're gonna lose this game, it's gonna be at the hand of of someone else. It is sure However, shit not gonna be Marcus Howard. And I thought a lot of t- and I actually saw a lot of good basketball from PC basketball that you don't see from young college players, which is triple team a Naismith player. Right. Triple team, the guy who has 35 plus points. In addition to that, they had to miss a free throw at the very end of the game because they were up one with, I think, a second left. Which a lot is of players, sneaky, it's sneaky not tough easy. to do. Right? Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, so he, you know, the Providence player misses that free throw. It was a perfect miss, too. Like it, it was a miss where the, the Marquette player was going towards his own hoop and it was still challengeable by a Providence player. Uh, so I thought. PC actually gutted out a victory and I, I'm very, very, and this is not shocking to me. This is not shocking to me about an Ed Cooley team. Uh, despite their record and despite their slow start prior to big East play, they could have had every reason to quit in this game when, when shit was difficult uh, and they were down a couple times, but they, they had stones. Uh, I forget who exactly hit the three uh, on the right hand side. Um, um, it's escaping my name right now. I'll look it up after this. But when they were down three in regulation, he he nailed it. Uh, oh, they were going back and forth. They were going back and forth with Marcus Howard. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's weird. You know, we we talked last episode about um, teams that benefited. Are you, are you looking for Malik White? Is that who you're thinking of? I don't know if it was Malik White. Continue though. Um, or AJ Reeves. Those are it was AJ guys. Reeves. Yeah, it was that's AJ only, Reeves. those are the only two guys that made threes for the whole team. Yeah, it was but, AJ um, Reeves. You know, we talked about teams that benefit from the Christmas break or holiday break, and teams that sometimes don't benefit from the Christmas break. Providence clearly benefited from the from the break. You know, they they got the shit beat out of them by Florida on like the twenty first of December, lost by like a million, and since then they've won every game. Uh, they beat Texas, and then now they beat Georgetown. Not not saying that Georgetown's great, but they've also been a, a resurgent team of sorts. Uh, they beat Texas, Georgetown, DePaul, who was undefeated. Were they undefeated or had one loss at, the, at that time? E- either or undefeated or had one loss at the time. Now beat Marquette. And not that these teams are great, but these teams are, are good. They've got players... That you know, obviously DePaul was undefeated or had a one loss at the time. Georgetown had a, had a little resurgence after their uh, issues earlier in the year, and then Marquette Marquette may or may not be a tournament team, but they do have, as you said, a guy like Marcus Howard who can win a game single handedly. Now their next game, and I know we talk about Providence a lot on this podcast. And we'll talk about them on our next podcast as well, because our next podcast will be a review of whether they beat potential number one seed in the tournament, Butler. And Friday night win, in the dunk. I mean, That's if they, I mean, it, I mean, if they win that game, then then our then the whole everything's flipped on its head, pretty much right there. And as we've seen in any normal, quote unquote, normal year, we'd say, eh, Butler will cruise. 
as we've seen this year where we've already had 12 or 15 or however many it is like unranked teams be top 10 or top five teams in the country. Everything is up for grabs this year. So I'm not going to put a prediction on that game because I straight up don't know enough about both of those teams. And that's not from lack of research. It's more of a lack uh, or more of a, uh, a prevalence of randomness to this college basketball season. But boy, if I'm a Providence fan, do I feel a hell of a lot better about facing Butler at home this week than I did just a week or two ago? It's got, I'm telling you, the dunk is going to be rocking. That, that'll oh, get yeah. Providence credit for probably the best atmosphere in the Northeast uh, when, when, they're, when they're clicking. Hey, so and, and, and Butler, and... Butler I will say, I'll give him credit for this. Or I shouldn't say credit, but this is what I will say for Butler. Uh, this is going to be a tournament-type atmosphere. So I think this is going to be a great chance for the rest of the country to see how they play for the first time as a top-10 team on the road in a hostile environment. How do they respond? And actually, I think this is going to be a, a good debut for their head coach as well. We've never seen him in, in one of these environments when they have the target on their back. This is the first time they've had the target on their back since like the Andrew Smith days, right? Like yeah. uh, the Gordon Hayward days. And so I think there was a lull pretty much between 2014, 2015. I'll say like 2015 up until maybe 2018 and to now maybe uh, where Butler hasn't really been the hunted. Uh, and you never really think about them as a mid-major. Certainly not now because they're in the Big East. But this is going to tell a lot. This I'm going to be watching that game because it's going to help me determine how I pick them uh, come tournament time. I, oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I refer to those as the Matt Howard days personally, but you know, we can go anywhere. With That's that. who I was missing with my big man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Was he a big man? Um, yeah. You know, I, uh, there's really not much more to say about that than, yeah, that's it's, it is, you, you hate to say a team, even though we already declared them dead, but on January 10th, when that game takes place, that will kind of be the, the determinant of the season for, for for them in a way if they win that game then it's all and everything's back on everything's back on if they lose that game especially if they get smoked then they fall to 10 and 7 on the year three and one in conference and the teams that they have beat are good but not great and it'll be tough to make the tournament now in their current state without a major like marquee win like that yeah this is uh, how about this friar nation i'm reaching out to you Providence Crier, Mike Surrett, everyone in PC. If Providence wins, uh, I will retract my statement that they're dead. The prophecy is still dead. The Crier's prophecy of them getting to a Final Four, I, I won't back off that. But And they probably won't allow me back on the bandwagon. But I will, I'll take them out of, of their grave. How about okay. that? If they beat Butler. Okay. That's uh, all I'll say. Are we allowed to give live updates on this show? I mean, we can. It's all going to be final by the time people listen to it, but go ahead. North Carolina is about to lose again. To Pitt, right? Yeah. Yeah, they stink. We'll get to We'll talk about old Roy in an, uh, later, later down in the show. <laughs> but a few other no- news and notes. I never thought I'd say this, like not even just on this program, but just, I don't know, ever. Rutgers is decent. Yo. <laughs> Shout out to the rack. All right. 
Rutgers is a good ball club. And I can, again, I cannot believe I'm saying that they beat Penn state on Tuesday night at home, uh, which is a top 25 win that, that they've put under their belt. And they're an absolute buzzsaw at home. The rack is crazy, man. People go into Piscataway and they, they take a lot of losses. I think Iowa lost or no, Iowa won on a crazy corner, but a buzzer beater off the glass last year. But that victory against Penn State is huge, and and Rutgers very well could see themselves in the in the tournament. They're undefeated at home this year. They're eleven That's and all, zero, baby. They're eleven and zero at the rack. And look at their losses. Their losses are to St. Bonaventure, Bonnie's <laughs> shout out, tough squad, tough squad. But then their other losses are to Pitt and Michigan State on the road. Those aren't bad losses. Pitt questionable, but Pitt who's about to beat North Carolina right now. But I think all Carol everyone who beat Carolina shouldn't even be happy about no, that. Ohio but State's yeah, not even happy about it. But if you look at their victories after their loss at Michigan State, which is absolutely completely a, a totally fine loss. Wisconsin, Seton Hall, Nebraska, not a great squad, but they did just beat Iowa. And then Penn State. That's two ranked teams and a, at least one other tournament team in there that they beat. So, I mean, that's uh, – I, I don't even have any insight into why. Neither do I. Steve Peichel. See, that is that is a guy who, you know, you, you want to build with, who's shown improvement. I mean, last year I feel like they were competitive in almost all of their games. And then this year it's uh, the fruits of their labor from last year is, is coming over. What are they now, 11 and 3? 12 and 3. 12 and 3? 3 and 1 in conference. With a top 25 win. Yeah, they have a better what I mean they're two games up on Ohio State. Think about that. Wow. That's crazy. If you told me in in the summertime that come 2020 at any point in 2020 Rutgers was going to be that many games up on Ohio State, I would have called you crazy. Yeah, there are two games up on uh, our boys in Iowa as well. Which well, is really frustrating. Yeah, can we talk about time. Iowa real quick? Holy yes. shit, man. We went what to What is happening? Seriously, we this was theater and corn hoops for we, for at least four days. <laughs> yeah, and then then they got ranked, and then they got way too highfalutin. Right? They they smelled their they read their own press clippings. It was a, it's absurd though. I was really mad about that loss on Tuesday against Nebraska. Iowa went into the Fighting Hoybergs, lost. Very disappointed, man, because you we we stamped our name on Iowa, and we stamped our name on Garza. By the way, new nickname for Garza: Lunchpail Luca. That's all mm. he's a, he's a wow. lunch type player. Wow. I think he struggled in the first half and out of nowhere in the second half had 15 and 13. Hold on. Well, let me reverse this for one second because I just remembered something I was going to say about Providence. Providence is undefeated since Rothstein put out the Ed Cooley Hope shirt. What do you want? Uh, what do you, I don't know what else to say. Hey, if you haven't seen it's it, it's magic at work. If you haven't seen it, grateful listeners. Uh, Rothstein put out a shirt in the uh, image of Barack Obama's Hope shirt, and he put Ed Cooley on the front. It's actually a great shirt. If I was a Providence fan, I would buy at least two of them, one for home, one for road, you know, so to speak, one for internal, one for in the home, one for out and about, because it's a great shirt. Well, so that's what pisses me off, though, real quick to detour about those short, those shirts. I mean, PC is a great basketball school, obviously, but he's got shirts and quotes for like Steve Peichel at Rutgers. And I, I'm loving what Rutgers is doing this year. But you mentioned, hey, if I was a PC guy, I'd buy those shirts. F- fuck, man. I want to buy one for Sean Miller. 
Like, yeah, right. Make, make one for, I guess that's just the jealousy talking. Uh, but yeah, Iowa, man, terrible yeah, I, loss at Nebraska. I don't really, uh, you know, they're lost against Penn state, even though it was at home. It's like, okay, they're ranked, whatever, you know, it's a tough game. Uh, I don't, yeah, there's not a lot of explanation for losing to Nebraska at this point. Um, and they had opportunities down the stretch. Really, the game, uh, you know, Iowa, I don't, or Nebraska, I don't want to say pulled away because that's not what happened, but they were, Nebraska was in control from about the under four timeout on of that game. They never really came close to relinquishing that lead. I think the closest that, that Iowa got was five, four or five points. So there was never a one possession situation down the stretch. One could say that. Although it was almost theater in Lincoln, it was uh, more like the previews in Lincoln, so to speak. Everyone was getting their popcorn, but they hadn't, exa- they hadn't exactly sat down yet. So, um, yeah, I don't really exactly know what to say about it. Yeah, Iowa shot a whole, a grand old 12% from three. And I know we kind of have to go back and forth with this. Is it how good is a team if they don't score versus, you know, is making or not making buckets uh, indicative of if your team is good or not? Well, obviously, like your team is better if they make more buckets, similar to what I was saying in the opening segment here. But if they're open, you know, like you got to take them. Um, Iowa went a putrid, uh, just unbelievable. Like put yourself in timeout. Four of 33 from three against Nebraska. Jeez, I thought Ohio State was terrible from three. Right, exactly. So, I mean, again, again, I'm not saying that that, that, that there's any defense to that. But if they knock down two more of their 33 threes, like they probably win this game. So it, do we say that that's uh, an indictment on them for the rest of the season? I don't know. Uh, I'm a bit of a skid, man. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to give Iowa the benefit of the doubt. Like I am Ohio state, but do you think they're going to go four of 33 from three again this season? No, but the fact that the fact that they were in a dogfight with Nebraska is kind of telling Nebraska sucks, man, (laughs) no matter what venue it is. If you want to be taken seriously, you got, you got to win that game. Hey, the Hoybergs are two and two in conference play right now. That doesn't mean shit, man. BC's three and one in ACC play. They beat they beat my boys, the paint squad, earlier this year. You that's know, more. That's more of an indictment my, on your on my your Big Ten champions. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Iowa. That's a very bad loss. Although I am happy that out of this game came a new nickname for for me. Uh, that is Lunchpail Luca. Lunchpail like Luca it. Garza. I like. I like. That uh, one other quick note from that game. Did you see Nebraska's jerseys? They were awful. I think they were trying to look like their on-court sponsor, but at the same time, an mm, end for sure. Nebraska. I don't know. It was it was very weird. I don't know how to describe it. Look it up. It was terrible. Taylor, before we get to segments, let's make some really quick predictions here. Thursday night, Arizona travels to Eugene. First road game of Pac-12 play for the Cats against uh, number eight, Oregon. Who you got in that game? So I know that I often – go longer than is necessary on these predictions. So I'm going to just continue that MO at this point. Um, I think this game is going to be a lot like the Ohio State uh, Maryland game, where it's going to tell us a lot about 
uh, tell us more about, uh, say, like Arizona if they win than Arizona if they lose and vice versa. Why I say that is because we don't think any different of Oregon because they lost to Colorado last week, right? Correct. So we shouldn't think of a team like Arizona for losing on the road to the potential best team in the conference using the same exact theory. Now, if Oregon would have beat Colorado or if Arizona beats Oregon, then we say, hey, that's the best team in the conference because they beat the potential toughest team in the conference on the road. So I think Arizona is probably going to lose this game. Don't get me wrong. But if Arizona wins this game, this is the, no, I think I look at it as the, no matter what else happens on the schedule this year, this is the biggest game on Arizona's schedule for the entire rest of the year. I agree. Is, is this game. And only, only ones that would be close, close are Oregon at home and Colorado on the road. Because I think Washington's really, really good. I don't, I don't think I, I don't, I'm not, I, I think that they've fallen behind the other three, at least in terms of how my eye test uh, uh, sees them. That could be completely wrong and that's fine. But I, I, I think of the other three teams as maybe just one half click above them. So I'll say this, if Arizona wins this game, they're probably winning the conference. Uh, I don't know if that's a hundred percent. Agreed upon for me. I but still why? think Colorado could win the con. I okay, could easily sure. see Colorado beating Arizona. I could easily Col- see Oregon Colorado- beating Arizona at home. And I, Utah. I'd be completely with you on that if Oregon State hadn't just gone to Colorado and beat them. I think that if you beat Oregon on the road, you are the you 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 vault yourself into the team to beat in the conference. Let's let's put it that way. If you beat Oregon on the road, you 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 de facto become the team to beat in the conference. I think, I think they would be on par with Oregon. I wouldn't say that they are the team to beat. I still if you think beat them on the road. If you yeah, beat them in their I mean, uh, arena. What, just, yeah. Because of what Oregon's already proven. I mean, Arizona already lost to St. John's. That's a, te- that's a but pretty that bad loss. That doesn't have anything to do with the conference though. Sure. I mean, but Oregon, I don't know. I think it does out of conference still. I mean, statistically or record wise, it doesn't, I I just don't think that it would fully place Arizona as the team to beat. but well, and like I I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not predicting Arizona to win this game. I'm saying, but if they do I don't think there's any way around that on Thursday. So the the day that this airs or to Friday, let's call it that nobody, nobody can look at Arizona at that point and say, Hey, okay, this isn't the team to beat now in this conference because Colorado beat Oregon. We go, if Arizona goes on the road and beats Oregon, I believe that at least my seventh grade uh, math teacher taught me the transitive property. Right. And then that would put Arizona as the team. to beat. I like that. Uh, Then if you want to talk numbers and you want to talk math, I'd still say if Oregon loses to Arizona, they're not going to, no one, Arizona's not going to leapfrog them in the rankings. Well, they would already have two losses in conference. So I, that is a big, that's sure. a big deal. I that think is. that's a big deal. If you, if you're starting at least at that point, you're going to be two games down to your potential biggest rival for the, for the conference championship game. Or conference I just think, championship. I just think there needs to be more time, uh, Sure, it's, it's January. It's if the they, first if week they of beat January. Oregon, if they beat Oregon and if they beat Colorado, then I'm down. Then I'm I'm all for it. Uh, Till then, well, the, the thing I'll say though is that what what if Arizona beats Oregon, it affords them 
a, a loss, loss to in Colorado. one of those games. Sure. Right, exactly. Sure. And so, uh, so that's, it's like playing from the front, which is what you'd yeah. always rather do. So, so what's your, what is uh, your official prediction then? I'm, I, I you think don't have Oregon, to give me a score, just who's going to No, win. I think Oregon will probably win by like a score or two. Be, just because it's a, it's a seeing what Arizona's done on the road in a neutral court this year, they've hung tough until that eight to what will really tell us this, to what, to what's happened is that eight to four minute in the second half stretch. And if Arizona can hang tough in that stretch, then they're going to win. If they yeah. can't, then they're going to lose. And what we've seen so far this year is that they've lost each road or neutral site game in the losses they've taken by essentially one score. This, the scores would tell us that they're, I think it's four and five and four points. Something like that. What this in, year? Yeah. In reality, yeah. Arizona had a shot to win or tie all three of those games. So, and that's what's going to tell us about this game. And that's why I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. Is is the the box score? So again, I I got to disagree with you. The box score says that they had a chance to win that game, which is true. But they sucked uh, sure. for a decent portion of the for I mean, the eight of the eight of run the yeah. eight to four minute stretch. But you know, if we look at it. From a from a macro view, you could argue that Arizona's run down the stretch isn't more or less important than the pr- other the team's stretch from eight something. to from eight to four, right? Like if yeah. each team's kind of that's uh, I'm not trying to be biased, but like you know, one run has to be equal to the other team's run in a sense. I I, I think so. I would say that if Arizona if Arizona can lit- legitimately just come out even from the eight under eight to under four timeout, they'll win that game or have a shot to win the game. Right. And, I, don't, I don't want any problems. You got to give me an actual. No. So I think Oregon's going to win. Pro- right. I would, I, I would say by, by two to four points, just like okay. Arizona's lost every other road. Yeah. This year. Yeah. I, I think Oregon's going to win by five. Uh, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's go to the game of the weekend though. Baylor travels to Lawrence, Kansas three versus four, I believe, or Man, excuse that, me, two versus three. That is going to be is awesome. it three, four. I think it's three, four, four actually. That is going to be the game of the weekend. It sucks that it's so early. That's the matinee game. But Baylor, Kansas, real quick, who you got in that game? Well, just like the we argue about on like the football schedules, big for some reason the Midwestern schools don't understand how to schedule like their big time games. It's like, hey, let's all wake up at the crack of fucking dawn to watch the best game of the day. Thank you. You know, like just put it at 4 p.m. Like every other, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Uh, I I have tried to make a living on betting on betting against Kansas, and I'm poor, so uh, you could. It's not good to bet against Kansas. So I'll take Kansas in that. Though I will say, and if I can link this to our last conversation, I don't. I think. Arizona is in a way a lot is kind of undervalued from a national ranking standpoint because if we look at their losses, their St. John's loss not good. Don't get me wrong. Their other two losses are by one possession to the number one and number four teams in the country. Like, how are we expected? Are we expecting Arizona to be undefeated against the number one and number four team in the country? Whatever. That's a whole other discussion. It's biased. I get it, but. Uh, I, I really like Baylor. They win a lot of close, grinded-out games. I, we've talked about this before, how Baylor's offense was being super uh, inflated and talked about positively earlier this year. In reality, I didn't think their offense was ever really that good. I think it was more of a product of the teams they were playing. And as we've seen more recently, they've kind of gone back to that Baylor 
I'm more athletic than you, and I'm a better defensive team than you, which is a little bit more of the Scott Drew uh, mentality. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Obviously, if Baylor wins, it's going to be a low-scoring game, but I still think there's, I, I still think Kansas is just better, just straight up, a better, more talented, more well-coached team. Not by a ton, not by a ton in any of these, but just one click above in all of those categories. I think Kansas will win. Yeah, I'm taking Kansas as well, strictly because of Doak and also uh, point guard play there with Devon Dotson. Uh, and you don't bet against them in Allen Fieldhouse. Obviously, last year, Kansas had a down year, but this is what happens when there's a new challenger to the Big 12 throne. They walk into Lawrence and they kind of pee down their legs. It happened with West Virginia. Bob Huggins can complain all he wants about the refs, but they have shown a habit of not being able to get it done in, in uh, fog Allen, which is obviously one of the tallest tasks in all of college basketball, but no point in betting against bill self, Kansas Dotson and Doak at home on a Saturday primetime matchup against Baylor. This will be very close though. And I actually think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think this is going to be running gun. Uh, The crowd's going to be into it. This is going to show us a ton about Baylor because we've said, we've pretty much stated that Duke and Kansas and if you want to put Gonzaga, I'm not going to put them there, but Duke and Kansas are the top tier echelon teams. Everyone wants to say that there's no great team in college basketball. In my opinion, there's two. And then there's that tier a little bit below them. It's not like they're nipping at Duke and Kansas's heels, but that tier below them, which certainly includes Baylor. Um, and so if Baylor pretty much, they, they could, they'd be the number one team in the country if they didn't, uh, have a bad second half against Washington in the very first game of the year yeah. in Alaska, right? Hey, hey, Baylor, hey. I'm, no, I'm just saying it. They're it's it's super far away. That's the point I'm trying to make. But, no, I, I, you know, I honestly was looking back previous to this episode and thinking to myself, well, Baylor's undefeated, right? I, I, have, I, yeah. I have already forgotten in a way about that matchup. And reality, there, Washington's not a bad team loss especially neutral site like whatever first second third game of the year can i give you if we may can i give you a bold prediction for a saturday game sure i think georgia's gonna beat auburn that'd be auburn's first loss right correct i think georgia's gonna beat auburn i'm not taking that i'm still going sure, i'm still going I, auburn. that's my bold that's my bold prediction yeah that's no it. that's very bold i i think auburn is a terrific team and Georgia will jump on them. Actually, Georgia is a pretty good example of yosting. They jump on you. Actually, isn't that what Auburn does? Auburn yosted. Kind of, yeah. This is going to be yost fest first half. <laughs> For the first half is going to be crazy. And then we'll see who is able to sustain it. The second half, Georgia against Kentucky was not able to do that. Anthony Edwards uh, kind of taunted. I think it was Ashton Hagens or someone else uh, calling him too little. And then he didn't score for 11 minutes. So I think Auburn is now at the level where they're they're not going to choke away games. I think they beat Georgia. Can I make a second Auburn-related prediction? Uh, is it related to the Bachelorette? It is. The Bachelor? Madison, yo, she's got she's she's got a good future. I think she's got to be final two or three, at least four. She's got to get a hometown. She's got to get a hometown. Madison, Should we get another hometown. another final four for Auburn? So. All right, you got hang that, hang that banner. Yeah, you got Oregon. I have Oregon, and we both have Kansas as well. Uh, before we round this out with segments, a quick message from Zach and the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, Taylor, let's finish it up here. Segments. Where am I? 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 Where am I?
Uh, you remember Connor Ashley? Who doesn't? No. Do you, do you don't? Okay. Who's Connor Ashley? Connor Ashley was a 6'10", 6'11", string bean for the University oh, of Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I just, yeah. I remember. Yes. I, I got you now. Yeah. I think he just missed playing with Kevin Durant, but Connor Ashley pretty much, uh, he kept the lineage of tall and or beefy big guys, uh, big white guys uh, for Texas. I mean, they had Brad Buckner, Ashley. They had Dylan Osikowski here recently. Wow. So Connor Ashley uh, played for the University of Texas, I think, in 2008. And what is he up to these days? Connor actually joined Stream Realty Partners in 2013 in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And he serves as a senior associate within the firm's uh, office team. Connor's primary responsibilities include project project leasing, tenant representation, tracking market data, and sourcing strategic investment opportunities for his clients. He's in your field, Taylor. Connor so, Ashley. So from his, you know how we all come up with uh, better ways to project what we do, right? Like you're not a secretary, you are a client success coordinator. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. it's basically bullshitting your resume. Absolutely. Right. So as a realtor, I, I I try and understand how you are an associate. So tenant representation means he just like shows renters properties. Oh, I thought that meant landlord. Well, no. Land, I mean, the whole company is the landlord, essentially. Oh, okay. uh, tracking market data is essentially just like cruising through the MLS and seeing what's what's going on. Uh, sourcing strategic investment opportunities for his clients is literally just saying like, Hey, I found a place that you should rent or lease. This looks good for you. So as someone who's used these similar terms before, uh, it makes me think who owns stream real estate services or any of those or whatever that company's called. Do you know? I have no idea. Why? This I mean, is he basically, is, is, is he just seems, a realtor? This seems like your dad or uncles or grandpas or something company when you when you use those terms. Uh, I could be completely wrong, and that's fine. I'm just familiar with those terms, and uh, that's a lot. It's like saying I'm doing a lot without necessarily doing a lot. But you know what? Hey, who am I to hate? I'm not. I should. I, let me take a step back. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you know, know what? Why you can't? Why are you hating? You know, outside the club, you can't even get in. You know, well, so well, uh, that's why I turned to you though for this expertise because honestly, I was very enamored by those terms. I was like, oh shit, Connor actually sounds like he's doing pretty well, right? But if I told you that I was a real estate client success like advisor, I'd be literally the same exact thing that I do now, which is right. You know, a really grand way of putting like. I'm telling you to, to something like, yo, dog, this house is really good. You, this is a really good deal, so you should fucking buy it. Right. You know? I mean, I'm a huge sucker for all the glitz and glamour, though. Pour <laughs> all that shit. Dress up the pig. That's you what did, I love. Well, you know what? You did just start using exclamation points in your work emails. So you're, you've, become a, you've become a part of the game in that way. It's like a second reflex before I hit send. I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot to hit shift. One. Thanks. Yeah, it sucks, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm not proud. But Connor actually... Uh, basically a realtor there you go oh no he is a realtor no he's a realtor yeah no yeah no, i know definitely. but i mean he's yeah he's a realtor yeah. all right taylor 
uh, end the week out with some hugs. So I'm going to give a hug. And uh, if you're a big time college basketball fan, you probably know who this person is. Um, at least if you uh, operate on the periphery of uh, college basketball articles, I'm going to give a hug to Masato Nakamura, who is a Japanese student who traveled all the way over to the United States and actually sat outside of the Breslin Center at University or Michigan State University uh, just because he specifically wanted to learn more about basketball. Um, he actually was able to get in in, in contact with, the, with Tom Izzo because Tom Izzo had come out there a number of days in a row and saw that this guy was waiting outside the arena actually invited him into practices, film sessions, simply because uh, Masato wanted to know more about basketball, American basketball specifically, uh, how to and just how to run anything, the ins and outs of the game, uh, the terminology, the plays that are called, and how everything uh, kind of comes to what we see on TV. Uh, so he, he was actually given a seat, and I think the coolest part about this is he his English is uh, – okay at this point as far as i understand but not not super streamlined let's call it and um michigan state actually took the ticket that he had bought in the upper deck and turned it into a seat right behind tom Izzo. so the day after practice and the film session he was actually able to sit right behind tom Izzo on the bench for a michigan state game and i think that's pretty cool you know, I think we, we hear about a lot of shit about college athletics, how exclusive it is, and how hard it is to be a part of it, and uh, how corrupt it is. And I think this is a good example of, like, this is just a dude on campus who wants to know about college basketball and is now getting to learn about college basketball from one of the preeminent preachers of college basketball in our country. So shout out to Tom Izzo, Michigan State, and Masada Nakamura. I think that's a pretty cool story. Wonderful story there. Tom is always looking to grow the game internationally uh, as well as uh, domestically as well. My hug is going to actually go to North Carolina and the roster, their players. We had referenced it earlier in the program, but Roy Williams essentially ripped them a new asshole on his radio show. He, he said, quote, they're not very gifted, which is kind of like dad, uncle talk, dad and uncle talk when they don't have their kids in the room with them. And they're talking to their buddies. They're like, he's not very gifted, right? That just means they suck. And Roy, I was watching PTI earlier today and Kornheiser and Wilbon were playing the game where they have to describe what it is, right? They had to insert an adjective. And both of them basically said that Roy Williams was being grounded, right? He He's in touch with reality at this point. And that's just North Carolina not being very good, especially without Cole Anthony. With that being said, though, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, that chill of a move to just, you know, put your team on blast like that publicly. I mean, he is, he really did just say these guys stink and they're a lost cause. And of course, they lost to Pitt just now. But Roy, man, you might have to do some coaching. It's not always going to be Kobe White. It's not always going to be Justin Jackson, Joel Berry, right? Kennedy Meeks. You got to develop some of these guys also. Uh, but hug for the North Carolina players because I'm very intrigued to see if they're motivated in practice. <laughs> Clearly but, not. Clearly <laughs> no, not. No, I'm though. saying after this though. Oh, oh in okay. the game. In the game, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, shit. Maybe not. But uh, Roy Williams has definitely reached the age, like the don't give a fuck age, and we had Bayheim reach that very first. 
Like Beheim, amongst the college coaches that we've grown up with, Beheim reached it the second he was at Team USA basketball practice and he was just asleep, like with his legs crossed. Mm. Beheim is at the point where he doesn't give a shit. Roy Williams, I think we're now uh, here. He basically said his team sucks. So, yeah. hug for you, North Carolina. Well, I'm sorry. And he's right. That's the problem. Is he's right. Yeah, he's not wrong. That that's true. He's not they're, wrong. They're like Carolina's eight. not going to make the tournament. No, they're like eight and seven. That's crazy. That is crazy. That Carolina's not going to make the tournament. And they're bad, bad. So we've talked about this before, and I, I won't belabor this point because we're towards the end of the episode. But are like if you're Cole Anthony, why would you come back? Oh no, no, no. get out of there! Like yeah. this season, yeah, go, go, just withdraw. Pull a Wiseman, get out of there. Start working on the NBA. There's a whole, oh, we could win the conference tournament. Like, no, you're not. You're not. Like, no, just those not. are just diehard Tar Heel fans that want them to come back. Their season's right. But out. here's what I'll say. And, and we, uh, every college basketball program goes through its ebbs and flows and however you want to phrase it. It's, it's hard to make the tournament. And it's really hard to make the tournament 5, 10, 15, 20, so on and so forth years in a row. You know, and so that's it's a good example to the North Carolina fans of the world, the ACC fans in the world, and the college basketball fans of the world that your demise can literally come at, at in the, in this stage of college basketball, it can come anytime, anytime any yep. year, and not, and to anybody, Duke, Kentucky, whatever, they could theoretically not make the tournament. All it takes is one not awesome recruiting class and coupled with one injury away and you're there and that, and that's where you are. No, it's true. And the only thing that I'll say, and I'm sure Duke fans are absolutely reveling this reveling in this because they're a real threat to go to Atlanta this year, but Duke's down years. And we've seen them before. I think it was like maybe mid two thousands, late two thousands. We've seen the down years at Duke, but those down years are still like a four seed. Shit, shit, 2010 when they won the national championship with like Zubac as their center was like supposed to be down there. Uh, yeah, you see, center. Coach K always has it going. I'm not trying. Uh, Roy Williams, sure. absolute legend, but I don't think we'd ever. I can't tell you the last time Duke didn't make the tournament, and I don't know if we'll see that anytime soon. It was 19. It was whenever Coach K was sick. Right. Oh, wait. Like when he like not collapsed? when he clapped. No, oh, that was okay. no. He wasn't actually sick for that. Remember, he was in the night. Yeah, it was like ninety nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. See, I don't, I don't remember that shit. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah. even even Kentucky missed the tournament under Calipari, like his second year. You know, I mean, like these things will happen. It's, I, I guess, it's a good lesson to anybody to say that you are not indefensible. I guess the way to put it, you're not Teflon. Nobody's Teflon. There, that every single year in this nature of college basketball, uh, it, it could all come to a screeching halt, and that's what we're seeing with with North Carolina this year. Yep. Well, this episode's coming to a screeching halt. Enjoy the game. Hey, you like that? Hey, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why we do that. Uh, enjoy the games this week. And thanks again. Uh, we'll see you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.
Still. 